two churches were going to merge together. First, before I, tell you, before, I, before I give you this message today, I want you to know I spoke it last night. I didn't get any tomatoes thrown at me, so I want you guys to bear with me, okay? <laughs> two churches were trying to merge together. The Lord's Prayer became a point of contention. One church always had said, forgive us our debts. The other church had used, forgive us our trespasses. They couldn't agree, so they didn't come together. They split. I want you to understand one of the things that, as we have ventured into new territory, one of the things that I have I did was I, I talked about the Lord's Prayer and how um, I did not want it to become a crutch. And so I felt like, as part of my message today, I want to explain a little bit. I feel like it's, it's necessary that I explain to you why I believe this. And, I, and then by the time we're the, at the end of this message... Um, maybe you'll agree with me, maybe you'll disagree with me, but I want to just give you my point as far as what the Word of God talks about. Because I want you to understand today, the Lord's Prayer in and of itself is good in content. If you've been saying the Lord's Prayer for 50 years or 60 years or even 80 years, but it has not accomplished anything in your life, then I would tell you that really was it doing any good for you just to recite it. See, I tell you this, the prayer life that God wants us to have is a dynamically changing prayer life that will be able to accomplish things in the lives of people or churches. And when we say this part of the, uh, the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, there's something that, that God wants to accomplish in doing that, and that's what my message is today. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 6 through 9, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me there. This is in the the NIV Bible. And I always want to look in context like I did last week with the, the, the Lord's uh, Supper. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. It says, But you, when you pray, and notice he says, when you pray. Not if you pray, should you pray. He's saying, when you pray. It's as if you're going to do this on a regular basis. Go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying... Do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you are in need of before you ask. Pray then in this way. And then he begins at our Father which art in heaven. The context that Jesus talks about this, he tells us from the very beginning, he says, I'm telling you, I don't want this to be something, something meaningless or repetitious that has no meaning for our lives. Nowhere in the, the rest of the New Testament do you see Paul using the Scripture. You don't see Peter, anybody else. Nobody else talks about this throughout the rest of the Bible. But yet, we have held on to it as though it was something had something magical in it. He has given us, through this Lord's Prayer, a blueprint to prayer. But we have to build the prayer life. Do not use the Lord's Prayer as a crutch to say, okay, I'm just going to recite this, and then that's all I have to do. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and then it's just going to happen. No, what he's telling us is this. I'm going to give you the blueprint for how to pray. This is the manner in which you should pray. When you pray, pray like this. You don't have to pray this exact thing he's saying. He's saying, but when you pray, I'm going to show you how to pray. And when you do, you're going to see your prayer life dynamically changed. 
This was one of the things that the Protestant reformers, Martin Luther, he fought these things because at that time, the Catholic Church had so rigidly put all these repetitious things and he actually, these men all through the time of the Reformation actually lost their lives as a result of coming confronting basically repetition. It is unfortunate today that this prayer has been known as the, prayer, the, the Lord's Prayer because I will offer you this. Tonight, when you guys go home, I want you to look at John chapter 17. Every one of us. John chapter 17. That is the Lord's Prayer I will offer you tonight. Or this morning. I will tell you this morning that John chapter 17, he talks more, he, his prayer is basically for his disciples. It's for those around him. I would offer you today that that really should be the Lord's Prayer. One of the things that in these last days people have done, especially charismatic people, they take 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10. And in this, in this scripture, you have all these genealogies going on. So-and-so begot so-and-so. So-and-so begot so-and-so. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of that, Jabez was more honorable than anyone else. And Jabez prayed that he would have this increase... And God increased it. And what happens is, see, what I'm trying to get is, there's an opposite side of what I'm telling you. Because what happens is, even charismatics, they take this prayer of Jabez. There's a guy online right now. I can show you where the website is. He guarantees you success in your life. Pray this thing for 30 days, and voila, your life is going to be blessed. When Jesus was saying in verse 9, pray this, pray then in this way. He was saying, the Greek right there is saying this, pray after this pattern. In other words, he's saying, in your own extemporaneous praying, be sure to approach God in this way. The force of the Greek there is not saying, repeat these words. He's saying, pray the way I'm teaching you to pray. I'm giving you the blueprint. I'm giving you a pattern of how to pray. And if you pray in this manner, you're going to see your prayers answered. There's no magic formula in this prayer. The dynamic of prayer is so important to me that I refuse to cast it off with vain repetition. Whether it's the prayer of Jabez, whether it's the Lord's Prayer, it doesn't matter to me. On both opposite sides of this, you have the ritualistic side, and then the other side, the charismatic side, that says, okay, well, you just keep praying this and everything's going to be good for you. See, why would Jesus even need to pray? Think about that for a second. Why would He even need to pray? What would be the necessity of Him praying? He is 100% God and 100% man. He's not 50-50. He is 100% God. For years in my life, I thought I was a Christian. I was prayerless, powerless, ever wandering, never battling, content. Isn't the Bible talk about being content? Yeah. So that's what I was. I just I was content. But see, God did not call us to walk, as you're going to see in these scriptures that I give you later. He wasn't calling us just to be content with, with everything that's going on around us. He was calling us to use prayer. To change the dynamic of everything around us. You want, you, want, you want your life changed? You want your family changed? You want your church changed? You want your city changed? You want your nation changed? It's by prayer. 
My answer to situations at that time was this. Well, it must just meant to, it must have meant to be. See, when something goes wrong, all, all of us, we say that at times. Well, it must, that's just what's, that's what God, in fact, God's in charge of everything. So he must, it must be his will. Otherwise it wouldn't have happened. See, I want you to understand today this. First John five nineteen says that we, we know that we are the children of God and that the whole world is under the control of God. Oh, he said the evil one. Ephesians 2 2 says, He, the enemy, is the prince and power of the air. John 12 31 says that the enemy, he is the ruler of this world. So, is it possible that maybe that all these things that I think just are God doing them, you know what? Maybe God has, we, we've given him credit for things that he never, ha, he never did. The enemy is at work, the enemy is at work in this world. Our answer to what's going on in this world is our prayer life. See, it's easy for us to say if we lose a credit card or someone breaks up with our boyfriend or girlfriend or we, or we find them ourselves out of work, we can say, okay, well, that just, it was just meant to be. But what about when something really tragic happens? Was that God? Or was that the enemy loosed on this world? See, Matthew 28, 18 says, Jesus said this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He has all authority. But I, what I want you to understand is the enemy is at work in this place also. It would be, I'll use this, be, it's not a great example, but I'm, I'm going to try to use this example just from, from let's say you're, you're a school teacher and you're the mathematics teacher of 12th grade math. Okay? You're in charge of that class. But, the principal comes in. Now, who's in charge of the class, but who has authority? God desires for us to go deeper. By referring to the kingdom, he is talking about the rule of God over hearts, minds, men, women, nature, circumstances, sickness, suffering, death, sin, and demons. See, what would this world look like if God had complete control? See, in one sense, the kingdom has already began to take over this world. When Jesus came, he said that he was marking that the kingdom had come. That the kingdom of God had come. But in another sense, the kingdom has not yet reached its fulfillment. So we have this balancing act of, of Jesus coming and us praying to see God's kingdom come. Yet in the, in the midst of that, we haven't seen it come to its fullest yet. So God's kingdom is present in its beginnings, but is still future in its fulfillment. If we don't pray, if we don't believe that prayer works, we won't pray. If we believe the only time to pray is when I'm in trouble or I need something, or prayer is just seasonal at best our prayer life will be worthless. If we think that everything was just meant to be, then why would we pray at all? If God's in control of everything and it's His will, then why would I even need to pray? Why would Jesus need to pray? But yet Jesus even said, not my will, but your will be done. See, if we, be, if we believe that prayer is the only answer to make us better, more financially, more, have more divine favor, then we have a warped view of what prayer is. God wants us through prayer 
to join in unison with Him. Find His heart. Find what moves Him. Then unite ourselves with Him in oneness. When our prayers are in unison with His will, that is where fire starts. That is where work gets done in the Spirit. See, prayer, praying His kingdom, is exerting His will, His dominion, His reign here on earth. Many of us have only thought about this in relation to our our particular life, healing or or prosperity, or I've even heard people say this, oh, the Lord gave me favor, I had the, the front parking stall. How does that fit in with the first shall be last and the last shall be first? See, it's more dynamic and broader than we ever imagined. Jesus, who was fully God, He said, listen, I want your will, Father, not my will. Even though I understand what it is you're doing, it's your will that I'm after. I want you tonight, just think of, this morning, just think about this. I'm thinking about wrong prayers. I hope there's no Sarahs in here this morning. I'm just making this name up, okay? So... Sarah's going through a difficult situation. She's got a lot of problems in her life, a lot of turmoil in her life. And she wants prayer. Now, if she came to a faith healer, she would come in and say, Oh God, do this right now. And and the faith healer would say, If it doesn't get done right now, then it's it's not God. And and, and he would would pray all this stuff. But what I want to offer you today is, What if, just what if, Sarah's going through this situation to draw her closer to God. What if your circumstances in your life right now are the very thing that God's saying, listen, I am driving you to a place where you'll get on your knees. That family situation that you're going through, those circumstances that are generated around you are to drive you to your knees. Can I then, as the faith healer, circumvent what God wants to do by saying, thus and so it has to be? See, I offer you that I can. I can actually be out of God's will because if I don't have God's heart on what He wants to do in this situation, right now with this person, I can actually determine I'm actually moving against what God wants to do. What if God in His infinite knowledge knows that this circumstance is the catalyst for change in Sarah's life? This is what's going to make her call out to God. I think about this in my own life. It's probably about 8 to 10 years ago. We moved to Springville, my wife and I. She got deathly sick. When I say deathly sick, I don't mean just laying on the couch not feeling good. I mean, we started by the doctor put a hole in her stomach... And I pumped fluid into her stomach to keep her alive. That didn't keep her alive, so he took a pick line and he ran it into her arm and down into her heart. And every day I had to pump fluid into her just to keep her alive. I think to myself, I would never be standing before you today if a faith healer had come along and said, Thus and so, Connie, you're supposed to be healed. Because what God was trying to do in her life was affecting my life. See, I began to cry out to God. 
I have 600 acres behind me. And I used to roam those acres every single day, crying out to God. What is it, God? What is it that you want here? Why are we going through this? We've been faithful people to you, God. Why is it? Why is this? God was causing me. It was the catalyst to get me on my knees into a place where I could be connected with what he wanted to do. I remember the day like it was yesterday when I remember the Holy Spirit saying to me, I am going to heal her. I continued to pray. Days went by, weeks went by, months went by, a year went by. She still wasn't healed. But I held in there. In perseverance, I said, God, you've given me a promise. I hold on to that. See, God was using a circumstance to drive me to the place. Drive her to the place. Drive us to the place where we came into unison with what He wanted to do. Was that circumstance His doing? No, but you know what? He allowed the enemy, who's the prince and power of the air, to go ahead and have His way with us. But in the midst of that, God says, just watch what I'm going to do here. Watch what's going to happen. You know what? You think you're going to break them down. I'm only going to make them stronger. See, God was saying, listen, Greg, you're about to use some spiritual muscles that you've never had before. See, you've had atrophy in those muscles. You don't even know how to move those spiritual muscles anymore because, you know what, they haven't moved. You haven't learned how to pray. You haven't learned how to get on your knees. You haven't learned how to cry out to me. You haven't learned how to pick up rocks and throw them at heaven and say, God, I need you. See, there's, that's when you're desperate. That's when God says, that's where I wanted him right there all along. Mm. Now he's ready. God is more concerned with my spiritual well-being than He is my physical circumstances. I would say that the answer to that is a resounding yes. See, sometimes I can't see the bigger picture of what God is doing. But He sees, knows all, and He can see what's going on in the future. And He says, all right, watch this. Watch what's going to happen. What if my circumstances, the sickness, the obstacle, this affliction is meant to drive me to Him, cause me to cry out to Him? This is the place where I keep pursuing. This is the place where I remain dependent on Him. This is the place where some of us would say, well, Greg, you don't understand. I'm, I'm a good person. And I don't, I don't need to be driven to that place. I don't, I don't need to. It doesn't have to get that bad for me. I can... I can, do it, I can do it right here. I, I, I would do, I, if everything is going good for me, I would be in prayer. I would be doing those things. Really? No, he says, listen, I'll allow these circumstances to come into your life, but they are going to raise you up. They are going to drive you on your knees. They're going to drive you to a place that you've never been, and you're going to pursue me like you've never pursued me. David understood it. He said, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. Hang on a second here. This connection is for me to grasp His will, then praying His will, thus bringing His kingdom. This is all found, discovered, and accomplished in the secret place with Him. I want you to know, you'll get some secrets here in church. But I'm going to tell you right now, you will never discover, you will never go deeper, you will never truly understand who God is unless you do it on a daily basis at home in your secret place. This is good. I love this. This is instruction. This is encouragement. This is to drive us to a place where we will do those things. But I want you to understand that the the downloads from heaven come in the secret place at home in your closet when nobody's looking. 
Psalms 119.67 says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. Psalm 119.71, It was good for me to be afflicted, so that I might learn your decrees. Okay, Greg, that's Old Testament. Go. Let's see what Paul says. Paul says it like this in 1 Thessalonians 3.3, So that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we have been destined for afflictions? Are you kidding me? That's what my life is? Well, let's see what Acts says. After they had preached, Acts 14.21, after they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystria and Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. He wants me to pray. He wants me to pray His will. So how do I find it? How do I obtain it? How do I know it? It's in the secret place with Him. You get in the secret place with Him and ask God, show me. Well, I didn't feel anything. You weren't supposed to. Get in the secret place. Well, I, I didn't hear anything. Get it. Keep going. Keep staying. It's never dependent on Him. It's always dependent on us. See, when then, when, when I speak His heart into a set of circumstances, which He has destined to come to pass, it shall be accomplished. Whether I see the physical results or not. That's what was happening with Connie and I. This is where the faith movement tried to get it right, but they messed up because they got into all this name it and claim it and all these things that, 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 disturb, that basically were bad doctrine. But what God was saying is, listen, I want you to believe. I want you to have faith. But I want you to hear from me. You don't just arbitrarily speak this stuff out. It's got to be a download from heaven. And then when you say it, those words carry power. Charles Spurgeon, the prince of peach, preachers, he said this, he said... If for a little while the heavens are as brass and your prayers only echoes in the thunder above your head, pray on. If month after month your prayer appears to have miscarried and no reply has been vouchsafed to you, yet still continue to draw nigh unto the Lord. Do not abandon the mercy seat for any reason whatsoever. If it be a good thing that you have been asking for and you are sure it is according to His divine will, if the visionary, if the visionary wait for it, pray, weep, entreat, wrestle, agonize till you get to that place, that thing that you were praying for. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about First Peter one twenty one. See, it says there that prophecy never had its origin in man, but men of God spoke as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. I want to offer you that this is what our prayer lives should look like. Our prayer lives should be birthed in what God's will is, and then all of a sudden, when we pray, it carries weight. It's not just words. The Bible says that Samuel's words, all of his life, never fell to the ground. They accomplished that which they were supposed to do. How will I know all these things? It's time in the secret place. If His will has already been done, why would I go there? If everything's being accomplished around me, why would I even need to? Prayer is what brings. Prayer is what exerts. Prayer is what introduces His will into this dimension. That is why prayer is so vital, relevant, and necessary. Paul said it like this. He said, labor with me in prayer. Romans 15.30 Now I urge you, brethren, by your, our Lord Jesus Christ and... and 
and, and, and by the love of, of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. The Weymouth Bible says, so labor with me. That word strive there, that word strive means to agonize properly, to fight, to agonize together, to strive together with help. This is what he's describing as prayer. Now, I don't know if any of you guys have one of these prayer lives where you can just get down and, man, it just feels good. It's great. It's fun. I'm telling you, prayer is work. Fasting is work. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. This is something that God's calling us. He's saying our prayer life should look like this. It should be an actually agonized properly to fight together, to strive together. with He's saying as if we're in a contest. That's how our prayers should be. I'm going to tell you this morning, if you want to have a good marriage, you want to have a good job, you want to have good kids, it's all going to take good work. Prayer is the same. It's all going to take hard work. Prayer and fasting is no different. It's what you'll put into it. It's how much effort you'll give it. Then I can say this, now as I obtain His will, His purpose, His design, my prayer life is not a repetitious ritual, but it takes on a new dynamic. It is powerful and effective. James talks about that. After he goes through in James chapter 5, he talks about how we can pray amiss, we can pray out of God's will. He says that how we pray, that we can pray with doubt and we are tossed around. And then he says this in James 5.16, Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man, person is powerful and effective. Now I want you to look at these two words in the Greek. The first word, powerful, it says gets into the fray, engages in resistance. It's the Lord strengthening them with a combative, confrontive force to achieve all that He gives faith, faith for. Facing necessary resistance that brings what the Lord defines as success. See, I like this last part. It's an urgent request of a divinely approved person who is energized by God. See, as we, as God bursts these things in us, He gives us His will. We pray these things with a, with almost, it's, it's, it's an engaging the enemy almost. It's, it's if we're saying this, have you ever prayed like this? <laughs> See, this is, my, this is my dilemma with these prayers, even the repetitious prayers. Because do they look like this? If they don't, then they're fruitless. They're empty. They're powerless. What about the other word? Hmm. Effective. Engaged in properly energized. Working in a situation which brings it from one stage to the next. Like an electrical current energized in a wire, bringing it to a shining light bulb. What he's saying is, listen, do you want your prayers to carry power with them? Do you want... See, when we get connected to Him, and all of a sudden, that power flows through us. That's what he's talking about. But it's an engaging, it's, an, it's, it's a coming against resistance type prayer that doesn't just say, okay, I'm just going to say this because we've been saying it for 50 years. No, when I say it, I want it to mean something. I want the power of God. I will not, I, I'm even to this point in my life, I will not pray for my food if I cannot mean it. If it's just a God is great, God is good, let him, I, I don't even want to pray that. I, if, if I see that plate set before me, I want it to be, God, I am so thankful because I know there's coming a day when I may not be able to eat but I thank you for this food that I have right here in my belly this morning that we have this freedom in this country because there are people all over this world today that are going hungry if I can't pray like that then I might as well shut my mouth 
I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to me. So nobody can get offended. Make sure you put that on tape. What's our prayer life look like? Isaiah 62, 6 and 7. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen all day and all night. They never keep silent. You who remind the Lord. You who remind the Lord. Listen to me. Take no rest for yourselves. This is what our prayer life is supposed to look like. And give no rest until He establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise in all the earth. The New Living Translation says, Oh Jerusalem, I have posted watchmen on your walls. They will pray day and night continually, taking no rest. All you who pray to the Lord. He's telling, when you say, Oh great, well that's Old Testament. What does Paul tell us? He says, pray without ceasing. What is he telling us there? He's saying, pray without any unnecessary delay. You pray. You pray. Don't stop praying. Keep praying. On the, on the walls, day and night, pray. You want a fortress in your life in these last days? You want to build a hedge of protection around your, your family? It's in that prayer closet. You want to pray? You know what? Those of you wives right here, the husbands are on the road. You, you pray that hedge of protection around them. God, you keep them. Watch over them. You watch over that truck. That nothing happens to them. Because I know the enemy's out there trying to destroy them. But I know this. I stand on the Word of God. I will not allow the enemy to have him. He belongs to you and he belongs to me. I pray that hedge of protection around my family, my wife, around my church, around my city. That's my cry in this hour is over this city. God, that we can get a hold of this and see what it looks like. And see the dynamic of prayer and how powerful it really is. It's not a wish list. It's not repetitious. It's the power of God. It's powerful and effective. It's energizing. If I don't pray, Greg, am I still okay? If I, if I do just once in a while, am I okay? It's not a matter of how He feels about you. It's a matter if you've got his heart. See, the conviction of all this is, I'm not placing you, I don't want this to come on you tonight and today and you go, oh man, I'm not praying so I'm, I'm wicked, I'm going to hell and all that. No, what I wanted to, want you to understand this morning is, is if you're not doing it, you just, you just don't have his heart yet. I want his heart. David wanted his heart. He's calling all of us to have His heart in this hour. Some of you are older and retired. And you say, well, what can I even do? I will tell you what you can do. You can get in that prayer closet and you can pray a fire. You can pray the Holy Ghost down on this city. You can pray revival over this place. You can pray that those who are wrestling with demons right now, the enemy is trying to, to, to strangle them by, by dope, alcohol, and drugs, and all the other things that are going on. He's trying to strangle the life out of them. You can begin to pray for them. Begin to see beyond yourself. This little girl who sits right here, who I call my daughter now. You know what? She, it was what? It was almost less than a year ago. Me and Ron had to go and arrest her. I'm telling you right now, 
that this is, this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about rescuing, snatching people out of the fire and saying, God, no, they do not belong to the enemy. Are there tough days for her? Does she fight? Yes. Does she cry out? Does she want to give up? Yes. But that's why I keep fighting and praying for her. And that's what we should be doing. That should be our heart. It should not be about me and what pleases me. It should be about what pleases Him. And that's what pleases Him. And I will tell you this morning, if you have any other agenda, get it out of here. I'm going to tell you right now, any other agenda must leave in the name of Jesus. If you have another agenda, I'm telling you, it cannot stay. Because I am going to preach this to the day I die. If I'm here or I'm somewhere else, the presence of God is the most powerful thing. It is effective and it will move people. It will change people's lives. And I believe it. And the rest of us, we can go on about our business. But I'll tell you what. You will answer to the Lord for it. I know this. I answer to Him. And I will do what He tells me to the day I die. Sorry about that. Got a little carried away. It happens once in a while. It happened on Tuesday night after a prayer meeting. I went over to the... Oh man, Lord, why did I do that? I went over... I, I went over to the Elks or the Lions Club. After a prayer meeting. And I was supposed to just tell them what's happened at Sequoia Dawn. The next thing I know, for 15 minutes, I was praying. To, I was preaching about prayer. These guys have beers in front of them. I, st- I told them, I'm telling you guys, God wants to do a work. I'm telling you people. <laughs> and pray in the Spirit, Ephesians 6.18 says. Now on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. That is His command. That is His command. Some of us would say today, Greg, well, my experience has been, I pray, I fasted, I've I've done all these things and nothing happened. Don't base it on experience. Base it on the Word of God. Base it upon His faithfulness. Because whether He does or whether He doesn't, I stay faithful. Whether He changes my circumstance or I just keep, I keep going. I say, Lord, I'm coming closer. It doesn't matter whatever the enemy does. It doesn't matter what goes on around me. My physical circumstances don't matter. What matters is what I'm doing for the kingdom of God. That's how we pray. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Now do you see why I think it's so important that we just don't say it ritualistic? Because it has power. It is effectiveness. It is meaning. I love the Lord's prayer. Because what he was giving us was the blueprint of how to pray with power and effectiveness. The repeated language of the Bible is that God does indeed move in response to our prayers. When two become one, our hearts united with his change. Yes. It changes us. But then He changes everything around us. It's not about just changing me. I I need that, of course. But it's about a change that changes the atmosphere. Every place I go. Because the power of God is moving through me. Now I'm going to tell you right now. I apologize to all of you guys this morning. This is your first time. This is how I always preach. I'm sorry. Okay? I can't help it. I get excited. I'm telling you what, this prayer is so powerful. I, I, 
I want you this morning to understand that the, I don't want this to be a condemning thing. I want this to be a birthing thing in you tonight, today. I want it to be something that you go, okay, you know what? He wasn't condemning. He would just say, listen, there's power in this. There's something in this. There's electricity. There's power with what he's talking about. That's what I want the message to be as you leave this place. And as you go to bed tonight, I want you to think, okay, you know what? This is going to be hard. It's going to, I'm going to have to labor. I'm, but I'm going to get on my knees. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to pray. I don't even know how to pray, God. But I'm going to get down there. And if all I do right now is just cry out and beller to you. I've bellered a lot of times. Let me just tell you right now. I beller a lot. I, if you came around my house around 9.30, 10 o'clock, it sounds like an old cow moaning. But that's okay. Because I am crying out to God. He knows how to interpret. If he can interpret tongues, he can interpret what I'm saying. And I will tell you, sometimes when we pray, it doesn't always make sense well, that didn't even make sense what i just said it doesn't matter he deciphers it he goes oh thank you that was beautiful thank you greg mm. amen let's all bow our heads heavenly father my heart's cry this morning is not to bash us over the head and say, oh, we need to pray. But God, I want us to understand how powerful prayer is. How meaningful it is. What you were trying to describe to us through your word. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit quickens it. Lord, that there are people in this room. I don't even know names. I know I've been in places, Lord. I've sat in the back and a message came forth and it was, it was life changing. I pray God that the Holy Spirit quickens this message. That there are people in this room that grab a hold of this. And they run. They run like they've never ran before. God that their lives are changed and transformed. By prayer. God let us come after you. Let us chase after you. Let us find you. We love you God. Hallelujah. And Lord, as, as we prepare this time of fellowship together right now, God, I just pray your blessing over these people, blessing over the, the food that's been prepared. God, we do not take it for granted today, Lord, that there are those this morning who go without. And God, we thank you. We thank you that we can come together and joyfully come after you in your name. Amen.